St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions. What a team. What a ride. The Cardinals are world champs in 2011. It's the Loose Fork Talk Podcast. been a minute boys but we are yes it has back season four of the loose sports talk podcast we did sponsored it. by arch city media oh man it has been too long since i have said those glorious words i am ethan hannifer your host and i am joined by branding big poppy gallegos yo, yo. and tj williamson tonight hey guys. it's a pleasure to be joined back by you lovely gentlemen we're back it was such a joy just to hear your voice again yeah, I've just missed. So I've just missed your your tone, Ethan. I don't see you anymore. What? TJ, I don't live together. Time, okay? TJ, we live together. I'm sorry. Save it for counseling. My bad. Yeah, good grief. You pay for that kind of stuff. Brought to you by. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Ethan, we've missed you, man. Yeah, it's glad to be back. We're, yeah, we're glad yeah. to be back. Glad to be back. How on was the your pod. break? I, I know, as a host, you really your shoulders are always heavy. Yes, carrying us. Yes, in particular, big, me, big, to hear broad the shoulders. In your voice. Did, did you big did you broad. take a nice long Christmas break? I got yes. away to the Bermuda Triangle. Wow, really enjoyed it. Good time. A lot of uh, stress-free activity going on. You out made it there. back. And I came back um, to realize that the Blues are still mid. Mm. Um, and uh, St. Louis City, oh, you know, there might be some good stuff moving hey, on there. Hey, and yeah, uh, yeah. I still have a job with the Cardinals. So we're doing all right. We're doing all right. Weird you know? flex. So, uh, <laughs> I thought he looked a little bit, you know, tanner. Yeah. No, I didn't. Ethan's never no, been no. tanner. <laughs> no, you did. you're lying. That was a good one, Brandon. sorry. So... As you guys have kind of discussed, it has been a little while since we have had an episode. So we felt as though it was only fair for all of our lovely listeners out there that we made sure that we at least for our, you know, three primary sports here that we have in St. Louis, that we at least that we wrapped up. We kind of summed up what kind of went on during the time that we weren't podcasting. So what we're going to do is we're going to um, walk through each of our, you know, Three sports here, St. Louis City, the Cardinals, and the Blues. Yeah, tell we're me gonna, about what, it. What have we missed from these three teams? And then we're going to dive into the Blues uh, a little bit more in the latter half of the episode. Talk about what things have been like um, since the the coach firing, since Chief left mm. us. Um, was forced to leave us. Yeah. <laughs> we both did it. <laughs> both my brothers saluted. For Chief. It's really going to suck. <laughs> it is to tough. see him on another bench next Eventually season. it will be. But we're going to talk about, you know, what it's been like uh, with Bannister, the new head coach, um what that's looked like and we'll get into that in a little bit. But let's go ahead and let's start off with our beloved St. Louis City SC. Let's look into what this off season has looked like for them. TJ, you're going to lead the way on that sure, one. Ooh. Sure. For reference, just so people who are huge soccer fans that happen to be listening to our podcast know, I'm not going to be going over international roster spots, transaction money, all the really complicated stuff. This the big is, stuff. Yeah, this is scraping the top of the ice cream. That's all it is. What? <laughs> I'm you, hungry. Yeah, I was going to say I'm hungry too. Yeah, that's a good preface though. To start, 
First up, Kyle Hebert. He was one of our starting defenders last year. He got extended. He started from City 2, signed a contract, and worked his way up, and now he's going to be with us through 2026. Round of applause for Kyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, well, yeah Kyle. Well, Kyle. I love Kyle. Well, Kyle. 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 Continue, TJ. He's Continue. a stud. Um, other than that, we have a couple of other transactions. We made a trade shortly around that same time to acquire Chris Durkin from uh, DC United. We got a couple of things out of it. I should say we gave away a couple of things from it. Mm. We gave away Jared Stroud. Mm. He was one of our highest uh, utilized people. He had the most minutes close to on our team. We also gave away Lucas Bartlett, a young guy, and some money for general allocation. The cool part about Chris Durkin is he plays similar position as Leuven, as I had said in our Christmas episode. Mm -hmm. And so what this is going to do is provide more depth, provide more relief, and going to allow options for a lot of our midfielders to kind of shine. The way it works is um, in the system that City runs, we have typically one defensive midfielder and two attacking midfielders that are in front of the defensive Mm -hmm. midfielder. And Leuven was kind of shoved around everywhere. His natural position is defense. And so with Durkin on the squad, now we might be able to have Leuven play a more natural position where he's supposed to be. Whereas before he was more offensive prone because we needed help in that regard. Anytime you get, you add a guy with a last name of Durkin, it's you're going to be just fine. We're about it. We're about it. Next up, the only other two things I'm going to mention is we signed two other guys. Technically, uh, we traded for a guy named Tom Thomas Totland. He is uh, from Sweden, and we signed him to a three-year deal, so he'll be on the team the same amount of time as Kyle Hebert. Uh, he'll be helping on defense, which is one of our weak areas from last season, yeah. as well as we'll also be getting another defender in Nicholas Duyer. He is uh, from Denmark, and he's also going to be on the team the same amount of time. Those two guys are going to be our outside defenders. We'll have our inside defenders get more bolstered now that we don't have to spread our defenders so wide. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's all the stuff I have for you. Guys. TJ, well done oh, with actually, those names. Oh, one more. Whoa. Two, two, two more. Whoa. All right. All right. The young man named, known as Miggy Perez or Miguel Perez, he was loaned to Birmingham FC in the USL. This is a good thing. He's going to get minutes. So if and when he comes back, he's going to have more maturity. And yeah, he's homegrown guy. How could you not bring him back? He will 100% be back. So this is, this is just like you said, it's an opportunity for him to get more opportunity, get more time, consistency in that. It'll be a good level for him as well. So for he'll sure. he'll definitely be back. And what's what's harder to pronounce? Hockey names or soccer names? Oh, they're both European mostly. So you could argue it's they're tough. equal. It is it's tough. tough. But you got the South American, you got the you got the, you know, Hispanic names. That's fair. And soccer, hockey, You're hockey, there's, me there's not many no of those. Hispanic hockey. You're players. not hearing many Gallegos skating into the neutral zone. <laughs> you know what I mean? So why do you like hockey then? <laughs> uh, last thing to mention, one of our primary scorers, our striker from last year. Nicholas Giochini, he will be transferred to Italy, where he's actually from, which is good for him, sad for us. So we might have a weaker striker position in this upcoming season. Offseason's not over, but preseason started, so we basically we have a lot of our roster. We're going to be sad to see. Play. Sad to see Nico go. Like you said, he was a huge part of uh, the the attack last year when Jao Klaus got hurt. I mean, he really stepped up. So definitely. Sad to see him go, but, you know, best of luck to him and got a good return, you know, yeah. two million plus the potential that can move up to four million in incentives. Yep. So there's still, you know, that'll help down the road a little bit. So 100%, 100%. that is a, a good thing to keep in mind. I think it's funny you 
when we're looking through this quickly, I mean, you, it looks like at the end of the season, we could have definitely said that, you know, this city team, and I know we didn't discuss city very much last year. Um, uh, they're going to be pushed in a little bit more this year, introduced yeah, into the podcast in. a little bit he's more in. in season four, but the, the defense, the, the outside mid or sorry, the outside backs, there was some um, weakness out there um, in those positions as well as, you could argue that, like you said, when uh, Leuven was really stretched thin at, at the midfield. So um, teams started to catch on and figure out what we were doing um, in that position as well. But it seemed like there was a lot of surplus up front for the attack. So it seems like this offseason we've gotten stronger in the back and in the mid. Um, we've gotten a little bit weaker up front. So it almost seems like it's a little bit of a flip. And maybe I don't know if that's going to change how Bradley uh, Carnell approaches this season and, you know, what the attack will be for this team. Yeah. But that's going to be some interesting things to keep an eye on. Well, what I can say is the two uh, the two backs that we got, the two defenders that we got in this offseason, they are primarily in the same system from before that we currently ran this past season. So my, nice. my logic would be that if Schvan and Steele was actually trying to get those guys specifically, that we're going to stick with a similar skill mm-hmm. set and a similar system. Sure. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for city to get started. Uh, late February is whenever we wow. start our first, not game. a long February off 20th. season in the MLS. Not at all. Yeah. It's fast moving. It's right back to it. You'll so, have to see it. No, it'll be looking forward to do it. Do we have any Cardinal stuff to go over? We do. Oh, that's no, fine. We Tell do. us more. Yeah. Why not? You know, huh, I miss talking about my Redbirds. Um, so there was definitely, you know, a period of not too much happening. You know, in November, we saw Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson and Sonny yeah. Gray. The Cardinals were very aggressive on the market, adding those three pitchers early. Following that, you know, there is a couple of things that you could have missed. Um, The Cardinals did trade for Riley O'Brien from the Seattle Mariners for cash considerations. That was late November still. It just may have gotten uh, mixed in there. He's a guy that's been a minor leaguer um, his entire career up to this point, but he's young and he will be um, at spring training competing for a spot in the bullpen. He's a young guy. He throws hard and was a solid piece in Seattle system last year. Had good numbers. So a guy, a name to keep an eye on, maybe a guy that makes the opening day roster as well as, you know, we also talked with Derek Gould a little bit on this in our, in episode 30, Tyler O'Neill was traded to Boston for relief pitchers, Nick Robertson and Victor Santos. Robertson is very likely to be on the, in the big league bullpen. Um, obviously we'll have to wait and see how, what spring training, how that plays out, but that's a name also to keep an eye on, you know, for the big league roster on opening day. Um, now into, you know, some of the news, the new news, right? Since we've recorded St. Louis uh, recently traded outfielder, Richie Palacios to the Tampa Bay Rays for relief pitcher, Andrew Kittridge. Kittridge is 33 and is returning um, after missing over a year due to Tommy John surgery. He was out from June of 2022 to August of 2023. Well, this sounds promising. Hold yeah. on. Let me let me get to it. All right. Sorry. In 2021, in his final uh, full healthy season, listen to some of these numbers. Nine and three with a 1.88 ERA and 72 innings pitch, 78 or 77 strikeouts, a 210 batters average against. Dang. So really good numbers when healthy. Sure. Has upside. In 2022 before, you know, having to have Tommy John surgery, 20 innings pitched a 3.15 ERA in the last month or so of the season last year, 12 innings pitched an ERA that was in, that was 3.09. So, it's, it seems like it's a low risk to give up a guy like Richie Palacios, yeah. who was not going to 
play on this team. It was going to be hard for him to find time in a really loaded outfield this year. So I'm totally okay with that. And, you know, if he gets the opportunity and he proves himself, then so be it. I think that it was a risk I'm willing to take. The next move that the Cardinals recently made, and this was just all in the past week or so, Matt Carpenter. Yeah. Yeah. Bring him back. Welcome home. Marp. Salsa man. He mm. is Back with the Cardinals. tortilla chips. A one-year deal, the veteran league minimum, which is, I believe, 740000 So they're not paying him. First off, the fact that I'm saying right now that yeah, he's going to make stop for he's gonna make three quarters of a million dollars this year, and I'm saying he's not making much. Like uh, That's baseball. Yeah, that's baseball. Yeah, that's it's, baseball. Pro, it's pro okay, sports. I just, had, just, <laughs> I just had a little bit of a realization there, so I just okay. needed to pause for a second No, you there, needed but, a moment, and this is a safe space. That's a big spending move for the Cardinals. We, we have a great off, We have an audience that listens, Ethan. Yeah, and they so care. So this is a space. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Matt Carpenter. This is not a guy that I don't think – anyone has expectations for him to be a huge piece yeah. of this offense. He's a pretty much a full-time designated hitter. Now he's not yeah. going to play defensively. This is a guy that more so than anything that John Moselock, the front office made clear that he wanted to be back. He wanted to be here. Yeah. Assume finish his career out here. Yeah. He's a Cardinal. Yeah. He's a, he's a Cardinal. That's a good way to put it, Brandon. Thank you. Yeah. This is a guy that's going to be, impactful for the for the clubhouse a, a leader um a guy that is used to being in that role and with a, a clubhouse that's losing a guy like Adam Wainwright that had so much impact so much pull you know bringing in a guy like Matt Carpenter I'm 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 not against it you know I don't think that this is going to pull away at bats from Alec Burleson from any of your middle infield pieces yeah. I think that this really will be a minimum a minimum thing. I don't think we're going to see him on the field much at all this year. Now, I mean, maybe he goes off and he has an Albert Pujols-esque season. Who the heck knows? I don't see that as likely, but, you know, it would take him seriously having to have some solid production for him to really become a consistent part of this of this lineup or do anything sure. like that. So he'll, I don't see that happening. He'll have good streaks. Like he'll have, Hopefully. he'll have streaks of good games. Hopefully. He, he I, will. I like him in the clubhouse too. Yeah. I think that's, that's, good point. that's the biggest thing as well. Uh, I think to take into consideration and what this move was final, final, you know, thing that we kind of missed. Uh, this happened just a couple of days ago. Tommy Edmond avoids arbitration. Yeah, Tommy, two uh, Come on now. Tommy, Tommy two, two gloves. gloves. <laughs> hey, you guys done? Yeah, we're done. Okay. Uh, Two-year deal, $16.5 million. Like I said, the biggest thing here was that they avoid arbitration. The amount of difference between what they were asking for and what the Cardinals were willing to give was so small that finding and making a deal happen, I think makes sense. He's a guy that he's a Swiss army knife. He can play literally wherever you want. I mean, he's expected to be your center fielder going into opening day, but very well, you know, if things don't go well with Mason Wynn, he very well could be your starting shortstop too. So he can play all over the diamond, and uh, he, he's a he's a good guy to have on your team. He's a you're, good guy to have on your you're team. You're glad you avoided arbitration too. Yeah, the old awkward arbitration. I yeah. mean, that gets you've seen that so many times when relationship between organization and player yeah. when a te- when a player enters into arbitration. And for those who don't really know, really th- what happens is a third party chooses a salary for the, for the, for the player. And so essentially they, these two can't get along. Okay, great. We'll have a third party come in and, sure. and mean, make it happen. It's, so it's good that he avoided that to get it, to get a deal yeah, done. I mean, it's both sides arguing their points out. And like, you know, as a player, you want to hear 
as a young guy that, you know, you're not, it's not like you're negotiating in free agency, yeah. right? This is, this is your team and you're arguing what you deserve to make. And they're and, arguing and, what you're, what you don't deserve to make. Right. <laughs> yeah. So for them to say like, this is the reasons we don't think you're worth that right. much, that could be a hard conversation. Yeah. So yeah. for them to avoid that, like it's good for the team because Tommy Edmund, clubhouse guy, you would hate for some reason if that ever were to because of something small like this, especially for the amount of money it was for that to flip. Yep, for so hundred percent, I'm about it. So that's pretty much all the Cardinals talk. Oh, that is I that have. it? That's it. Is there <laughs> is there any is there any any thoughts on any of that? Obviously, I think you know the Kitridge one is the is the big one, and I know we'll get into it as the year season sure. goes on. And the question that be asked like before we transition here is going to be you know have the Cardinals done enough in the bullpen for it to be you know a legitimate sure. amount of pieces for them for that to be better than last year. So that'll be a question to kind of keep an eye on as I, I do. On. I do have one thing to bring up. It seems like this Matt Carpenter signing has ruffled more feathers than I think it needs to. Ethan, what are your thoughts on that? No, I, I would agree. I think that more so than anything, it's people saying that I think more than anything, it's people showing their frustration and a lack of going yeah. out and getting the guy that did hatred. Yes. Okay. Yes. You know, I mean, I'll, you didn't get us a star pitcher. Right. Or or even like the big name bullpen guy that people wanted. And as a result, people saying this is what we got instead. So I, I would agree. I think it's a little bit misdirected. I think people are probably saying, how does this help us? Um, and there's just there's yeah. parts of the game that people don't think about. Yeah. And, and I think this is one of them. I think Matt Carpenter will be productive in a sense of that. He's going to be really big for this clubhouse. Well, yeah. it, so you're saying he's the punching bag in this scenario of just people's frustration of what the Cardinals didn't do this offseason? Well, though, for, I, I'll say this. The offseason isn't over. You know, if you want to, and I always say this to to fans too, is is wait to air out your complaints until the end of the offseason. Why are you complaining about things not happening right now when one, the offseason is not over? And the front office has said, like, while there are a lot of areas that we feel like good about, we're, our ears are never closed. Our eyes are never closed. Like we're open to listening if things come along. Yeah. So we, I mean, we don't know what could happen. We don't know, you know, before spring, the start of spring training, before, you know, things get going here, if anything else could happen. If then you have frustrations still, then feel free to air them yeah. out. But I always say that it, it feels a little bit unnecessary to do it at this point. It sounds like overall, we didn't go out at the beginning of the offseason and say, Matt Carpenter's our guy. We're going to overpay to have him come back. He literally fell right in our lap. I don't see this, how this could be a negative outside of if there was another old bat we wanted in our DH spot. Yeah. You I think, I mean, I think people see that there's a lot. Last year, one of the things that, while the Cardinals thought it was going to be a strength that ended up being a weakness was that they had so many different players that could play so many different positions. It led to yeah. inconsistent lineups, which isn't good for players having a set in stone. I'm going to be playing here, batting here in the lineup. Like for the most part, you find that the best teams have that. Yeah. And I think that that played into why the Cardinals had some struggles last year. So for the Cardinals to go out and get a guy that being an older fella to mix in, I think it's, is he going to take away opportunities from some of these guys that we need to figure out what they are? Like, you know, what is Matt Carpenter on this team? And I think that the natural response to that is probably like, this is dumb. This is stupid. I really don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I really don't see it happening. Yeah. I'd be really surprised. So anything else? We've had a frustrating couple of years here in St. Louis for sports. I don't blame them for blowing off some steam on someone. No, that's that's fair. Like um, fans are beautiful. TJ. Fans are fans are going to be fans, and we hear and see you fans. But 
I'm still going to put you in your place if you need to be put in your place. And speaking oh of media, that took a turn. <laughs> speaking <laughs> of mediocrity, St. Louis uh, fans are unbelievably spoiled. Five minutes ago, this was a safe space for you to speak, and now you're telling our fans they can't speak. This is no That's longer a safe You hypocrite. I am not saying that. Air out your frustrations. Can we move on to blues? Talk talk to me, <laughs> but I'm going to talk back to you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a guarantee, folks. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter, at Echan7. <laughs> if you want the smoke. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's about time for blues. Why don't, we take so. a, why don't we take a quick pause, and then we'll return in just a moment, boys? That sounds good. Close yeah, us out. Close us out, B. You're listening to Loose Sports Talk, sponsored by Arch City Media. We'll be right back. This episode of the Loose Sports Talk is brought to you by Art City Media. Are you guys tired, and I know I'm tired, of seeing all these major market teams, namely Stan Kroenke style, and not seeing any St. Louis style stuff? <laughs> Go to Art City Media and you can find all of your St. Louis sports that you need. Cardinals, Blues, Battlehawks, Billikens, Gateway Grizzlies, they're there for the good and the bad. Not only are they constantly on top of local news and sports, but they're also on top of who's coming into town for concerts. They're also on top of a lot of other things in regards to entertainment. If you want to find out any more information regarding the latest and greatest in St. Louis sports and news, find them at artcity.media and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at Art City Media. Now, back to the show. You guys want to know something crazy? Yeah, tell us. Craig, yeah, Craig Berube was fired the night that our last episode dropped of <laughs> season three. That's a sign. I don't Is like it? What does that mean? We shouldn't have stopped. That <laughs> season three ended. Is when, cursed. When Craig Berube's career with the Blues ended. No, it doesn't mean that, Ethan. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was dumb. <laughs> Sorry. Thought I'd put it out there. Thought I'd give it a shot. Clearly it didn't work. You it's were, fine. You were dead it's wrong. Fine. It's totally fine. Uh, but it was a little bit, I don't know about you guys, but I remember first off finding that information out and just being like, what the heck? Yeah. But also being like, are you kidding me? We just dropped our last episode of the season, and now we gotta wait for a month and a half to talk about this. Yeah, that was we missed. It you was all. poor timing for sure. It was terrible timing. <laughs> and then TJ, my beloved roommate, just looks at me and says, "You know what? It's gonna be okay, Ethan. I appreciate it." There's just so much love happening in this episode. So much love. We're just really in our feels tonight. So, as we mentioned, December twelfth. Yeah, it was a dark night. Yeah, it was. Very dark I didn't night. sleep. <laughs> You didn't. <laughs> no. There's no Who did difference we lose between to that December night? 12th. Was it Detroit? Detroit. Was it Detroit? Florida, yeah, it was Detroit. Yeah. Robbie right. Fabry was laughing in his hotel. I think that Fabry and Wallman both scored that night. I both former Blues. I don't know. So, yeah. Still scored. Totally, like on, totally on Barubi. Drew Bannister was made the interim head coach, and we know that, you know, you guys all probably know this at this point. We're not going to hash out Barubi being fired much since, you know, it really is its old news at this point. Yeah. Uh, you can you know say what you want about it. It's in the past, and the Blues have clearly had to move on. You know, we're what we're what a month over a month and a half yeah. since then. So yeah. time to move on, boys. Time to move on. Time to move on. So what I'm I want to do is you know we we put together some numbers, some numbers from prior to Chief being let go, and since then how the Blues have looked. TJ, I want you to kind of run through some of these numbers with us. Pre-chief firing. 
pre-chief firing. Okay. Yes. So when Barubi was our guy, uh-huh. mm. we were thir- we were 13, 14, and one mm-hmm. with a minus six goal differential. Okay. Okay. All right. We were one point out of a playoff spot. Just Wait, how many points? One. Just Not points. What? Point. One more, one more time. One. One. Point. So close. It still hurts a month and a half later. We were ninth in the Western Conference. So How many we're, teams we're, make the playoffs out of the Western Conference, boys? I believe eight. <clears throat> so close. So close. And they said, not good enough. <laughs> Drew Bannister will get us the rest of the way. So, yeah. Do you want me to read the Bannister stats, too? Uh, why not? Okay. Yeah, go for it. Since Bannister took over, the Blues have won 11 of their last 18. It's not bad. Yeah, sure. No, we'll bad. take it. No. And currently, as we record, the Blues sit one point behind the AFC Predators. One point? One pointito. Wow, very one well. little point. And we also are currently ninth in the Western Conference, so no difference there. We currently have a minus 13 goal differential. Mm. A lot of similarities. Yeah. It's almost ha- like we didn't need to fire Barubi. Easy. Sorry. Don't I'll, jump I'll the gun. It back. Turn it back. So that's, I mean, we're kind of going to get into it a little bit. Sure, sure, sure. But more so what we're going to be looking at is kind of like what we were doing with those numbers right there is team then to team now. Yeah. Is there a difference? Is one better than the other? And there's, you know, a lot of different points to keep into consideration sure. there. But like I said, we're just going to start off with that right there. After hearing all of this information and what we have seen on the ice, sure. are the Blues better than they were prior to Craig Berube getting fired? I want to hear answers. The word better, no. No, we are not better. <laughs> he was defining the word better in my before brain. he answered. In my brain. We could see it. I, you couldn't, folks. This is going to sound bad because I think Berube's an excellent coach. Sure. I don't know if this team is any worse or better than where we were. Wow. Outside of the minus 13 goal differential, I we'll get to the numbers and stuff. So later. you're putting an equal sign between the two. Ah, less than or equal to. Wow. Yeah, less than or equal to. Wow. I think Bannister's, I think he's, the the negative repercussions of firing a coach is that every player tries harder. And so I think we're seeing that, but that's going to wear off eventually. And so for right now, the effort that I'm seeing, yeah, I think they're pretty similar. I think you could argue that it has been a better product. Yep. But that doesn't necessarily mean that this is a better team. This is the same roster that we have. This is the same roster that it has been all season long. And I think TJ brought up probably the biggest point that I would have as well is that, well, uh, if you fire a coach, players are going to feel responsible. It makes it very real that you're up next. Yeah. And if you don't perform... Pack your bags. So I think that there is a certain amount of that. The question that I'm asking myself, and maybe you guys could help me answer it, because I'm not really sure if I do know, is at what point does that wear off and it's just a different hockey team? Does that ever wear off, like, in a season? Right. Um, So that's where I'm trying to figure out how much of this is new coach playing under a fire sure, and how much of it is well, maybe this team was was just underperforming under Craig Berube, and maybe they are better now. That's where I'm trying to decipher. And on top of that, is Bannister playing? Because again, I'm not I'm not like hockey IQ. I I don't I can't dictate Seven. the game enough. Sure. <laughs> I can't dictate the game enough or watch <laughs> the game in a clear enough directive to know if Berube and if Bannister are running the same system. And mm. that's why there's maybe a difference in some of the numbers that I'm seeing. I just mm. don't know. Brandon, help. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
Well, I'm going to take us back here. When Bannister, his opening presser after being in- introduced as an interim head coach, like every new coach says, hey, I need to take a week. I need to evaluate. I need to I need to see it with my own eyes before we make any changes. Well, it only took him about six days to make a couple of changes. And one of those changes was putting Kyra and Thomas on the same line together. It was a gutsy move and one that the Blues fans have been wanting for a really long time. I mean, they've, they've been asking. It's happened periodically, but it hasn't happened to the extent where, okay, Thomas is our first line center. We got Kyra on the right wing. And they're rolling together. And it was interesting because Bannister was brought in because of the amount of players on this current Blues roster that he's coached. Yeah. He's coached two handfuls worth of guys. I think I think the number somewhere between 8 and 10. I don't have an exact number. It's somewhere between there. And to clarify, Bannister came from? The Springfield Thunderbirds, the minor league affiliate to the St. Louis Blues, which for baseball fans out there, the AHL is like a AAA affiliate comparison for for baseball out there. So he was he was essentially called up to Sweet. coach the Blues. And, you know, I, I the question is, are the Blues a better team than they were in December? The answer is no. There really wasn't any personnel changes. And in my opinion, the Blues were doing exactly what they were constructed to do. Contend right for that eighth seed, hang out in the middle, be pretty inconsistent. This mm. team was structured to do that in yeah. a retool with Doug Armstrong, the general manager, using the word retool. And that's what a retool looks like. Rebuilding means to tear it down. It means you're going for a high draft pick. Retooling is, hey, we're going to try to fix the plane while it's in the air. Are the Blues a better team? No, they are not a better team. They are a different team. You you kind of mentioned the structure. I'll answer that question sure. now. It just you know oh took God. me a six-minute preface there. Thank you, Ethan, <laughs> uh, for your patience. Um, the Bannister has a similar system. I would actually, I would actually say, though, he... He does have a, a defenseman jump into the play offensively more often than not. And you saw that right away when he put Pareko on the power play unit two weeks into his run in, into his run as a head coach. Put Pareko in there. Um, he kind of has the more leash off approach approach to his defenseman. And so um I would say they're very similar, but defensively he likes the the demon to jump into the play more often and then also be more aggressive in the power play unit. But as far as defensively, they look very similar. What benefit does that contribute to a team? And how has that been beneficial for the Blues? It's beneficial because for the Blues, personnel-wise, they have offensive defensemen. You have Tory Krug, who since his days in Boston has been a guy who's going to jump into the play. He's going to pinch to keep the puck in. He he thinks offensive-minded. Justin Folk, same thing. Yeah. Nick Letty even can move the puck. They've called him stay-at-home. Man, we've seen this year where he's been he's been moving the puck. He's been one of those guys that man, when you need him to get when we're when we're in this late in the second period and we need a change and we've been pinned in, he's a guy who's going to take the puck on his own and get it through the neutral zone and get us a change. Um, so I think to answer your question, why it's important for the Blues is because whether we like it or not, and we're not used to this, we're used to Blues teams where defensively they're structured where we got some rocks. I mean, stay at home. I mean, they 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 they. Sometimes don't even they can't even see the net. They're so mm-hmm. the opposing team's net. That's how right. defensive they are. I mean, they they just they camp out. With this team, with the way Armstrong structured this decor, we have a lot of guys who want to jump into the play. Even the younger guys, Scott Perunovich, Tyler Tucker. These are all really your only stay at home guys. Are Callie Rosen who plays here and there. I mean, he's he's a he's going to play forty two games a year. And you have Colton Pareko who wants to be stay at home, but man, he's. Played fantastic, especially with the shot. So that's why it matters. 
if we were if we were a team that needed that had the personnel and had the size like think about the Vegas Golden Knights they just won a cup right four out of the six of those guys I mean it's it's a campground in their own zone they yeah. just set up tents <laughs> all over the place because they're huge Blues don't have that kind of personnel yeah okay next question <laughs> <laughs> that's a good take, well, that's I, a good take. I, you, you I could hear the audience waking back up after I, after I got done speaking <laughs> no, you, you couldn't sum that up any better and I think that the question that I'm leading to is eventually asking is Drew Bannister going to be the next head coach of the Blues now mm. I don't think I think we would all agree at this point it's not very likely sure I think you would probably we would probably say the Blues are going to go with someone that has some experience but this is going to be this is a really big time for him because this is his opportunity to show if he's yeah. no, able to cut it in this league so I'm not saying that we're going to but those that's the point of why we're asking these questions is trying to evaluate where the blues are with him at the helm, sure. right? So as we continue moving on, an area that this team has clearly had some struggles this year. Don't say it. Clearly. Don't say it again. Has been the power play. Oh. I miss bad. David Perron. Oh. <laughs> oh. Where's Dylan? Where's Dylan? That was for you, Dylan. I miss you. Miss you, Dylan. If anybody's looking for somebody to join onto their <laughs> sports podcast, I'm I'm free. I'm available. I'm a free agent. You can contact my my agent at six three six. Stop. You're six, not going six, to. You're making up a That's number. It's a fake number. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do it, guys. Don't call so, the number. So something I want to dive into is you know. So when Berube was fired, it wasn't that only coaching move that was made at that time, or I'd say personnel move that yeah. was that was changed at that time. We also saw the Blues hire uh, former NHL All-Star and Brad Richards as their power play consultant. And we saw yeah. that because, to be quite frank, the power play sucked this yeah. year. It's been god-awful. So he's been assisting— Well, tell us how you really feel, Ethan. I'm, I'm, like Good I said, grief. I'm not afraid. Kids but, watch this show. I, I am not afraid to talk to the people. <laughs> I don't know what they're watching. <laughs> Someone uh, watching us right now. <laughs> you didn't know about that? That's new with season four, TJ. What the There's heck? a camera in the corner. Smile. Oh, hey. I hate you both. <laughs> can I Can I keep going? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Brad Richards. Gosh. He's been in the new power play consultant. He's been assisting Steve Ott, okay? Who's been, obviously, the head honcho of the power play now for a little bit. And, yeah. you know, this team is not... I already said that they've been struggling a lot. Um, it's not as bad as it was at one point. They're now sure. bottom five. They're not bottom two. Hey. So there's something for us. Yeah, round of applause. Yeah, round of applause. It's worth, it's worth, Thanks, worth that. Yeah, of applause. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Brad uh, Richards. 14.18 power play percentage. Mm. So what I'm curious of, guys, is, you know, like I said, while it is still not great, it is slowly moving in the right direction yep. in these... 18 games since Bannister and, you know, Richards, you know, kind of had more of a say in this area. So yeah. I'm curious as to, you know, what have you guys taken away from the power play? What have you liked about it? Yeah, we'll start with that. Yeah, well, first off, Brandon alluded to it. Colton Pareko, as of right now, is having one of his best goal shooting years in his career. I think if I have the number correct, his highest goal scoring year was in 1819 and 1920 when he scored 10 goals. He, he wasn't had... alive in 1819, TJ. Stop it. Gosh. 
Stop it. <laughs> I see what you did there. That was good, Ethan. He has eight goals currently in 2018, 2019, 2020. Those years, he had 10. So he's already probably going to end up breaking that. On top of that, I'm super excited about the rise the rise of Jake Neighbors. Oh, yeah. Hey-o. He is doing like a, a great job. Now, granted... You're, you're one year early, Brandon. Sorry. You're one, you're one year early. <laughs> you were. You said last you, year. What did you project him to score last year? 25? Yeah. I and said not, I wouldn't be surprised if he was a 30-goal scorer okay, last year. Okay, yeah, that was a little strong. <laughs> barely played 30 games. <laughs> <laughs> now... <laughs> With that being said, hey, you hit, you shoot and you miss sometimes. <laughs> you miss one hundred percent of the shots that you don't. Take. You shot a boomerang and that thing came back. <laughs> okay, he has two goals so far in our power play, which ironically is the highest. <laughs> oh God, it's bad. It's so bad. With that being said, he looks good. Like eye yeah. test wise, he he passes for sure. Guys, I really don't have a ton to add besides the number. Our, you know, we sit with a, a 14.18 power play percentage. And what I've liked, yeah, is Jake Neighbors being a part of play. Another thing I've liked is is when Bannister came in, he talked about this. We needed a net front presence. That was the good, the really just fun blues teams you think of. I mean, there was, there was, we just won the battles in front of the crease. They were bullies. I mean, yes. And I get it. The league's changing. But you look at all the the Stanley Cup contending teams right now, they're winning the net front battles. Yeah. And the Blues have started to do that. Mm-hmm. And you've seen it from veterans, even like a, like a, like a Brandon Sott. You've seen a couple goals in the, pa- in the past handful of games where, I mean, he's, he's scoring from six feet out, you know? I mean, he didn't, you know, he didn't pull back a clapper on him, but, you know, he, he cleaned up the trash. And that's what you need to do in the power play sometimes. Since Bannister took over, the power play percentage is at 23.5%. Wow. So 14.18 as on the season as a whole. But 23.5% since Bannister took over in those 18 games. Last year's league average was 21.3. So we're above average right now since then. So um, things are definitely moving in the right direction. And like we talked about it at the beginning of the year, so much of an important part of this game is having the ability to not just like be good on the, penalty kill yeah. but stay out of the box in the first place and take yep. advantage of when your opponent is in the box. And when you're not able to do that, not only is it hurt the offense, but it also is so deflating when you're not able to take advantage of those opportunities. Cause now you got guys coming out of the box and it's like, well, uh, we can't score on five on four, uh, five, you know, I mean, it's, it's yeah. deflating. It's deflating yeah. for the, the, the mental game yeah. as well. And we don't need, do we need to even discuss that the blues have scored like 40,000 shorthanded goals this yeah, year. Yeah, what is happening? I don't know. That's so freakish. What is happening? out of nowhere. I, yeah. Well, so, yeah, never mind. <laughs> anyway, just wanted, to, just wanted to throw that little, That's good to that me, little tidbit you, in there. Ooh, speaking of shorties, shorthanded goals, not the other kind of shorties. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what kind of podcast? This is a family podcast. There are children think. watching, remember? Good not this again. <laughs> Braden Shen. Yeah, Shedder. A shorty against... Calgary, Calgary, a couple of nights ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the point we're recording, of course, of course, sure. And then last night, overtime winner. Oh, captain, my captain against Vancouver. So as we're recording, guys, the Those Blues Canucks, have back to back. You know, late game winners. That one against Calgary, yeah. sod scoring with less than a minute to play in regulation, and then last night's the OT winner for Schenner. So we've seen them. You know, obviously the Flames, a struggling team, sure. kind of in that same category as the yeah. Blues ish. But then you got the Canucks that are one of the best oh teams gosh. in 
not only the West, but in the, in, in hockey the right now. So yeah. that's something to keep in mind as well is that was a really good win. So with all that being said, guys, now three straight wins, um, Washington being, Hey, what one. do we call three wins in a row? A win streak. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Major league <laughs> quote. Love that. So now three wins in a row. The blues have not won more than three straight this season. Um, so, you know, this, uh, at this Point right now it'll be interesting to keep an eye if they're able to stretch that but you know we remember back in 2019 the historic sure. run a huge part of that was breaking the franchise record for, yeah. for the longest win streak what was it 11 uh-huh. it was right in that it was right in that area brandon maybe you can find that for me here. sure but i'm on it thank you so but historically we've seen that in the nhl every team that makes that cup run tends to have some sort of really solid win streak, whether it be a straight win streak or just a really solid stretch of games where they just catch fire at some point. So my question to you guys is, like I said, we saw that back in 2019. We've seen it from different teams in the last few years. Is this team one solid winning streak away from convincing you guys that this is a team that could be a true contender for a playoff spot that can Ooh. truly make things interesting down the stretch. So I think we could get into the playoffs. We could be contending for a playoff spot for a cup. I don't know if a, a win streak instantly makes us like, okay, we're going to the cup. I don't, I don't see that personally. What's your confidence level in that? This is a playoff team right now, TJ. 50%. It's a 50. Wow. Okay. 50%. Well, what, what would you say to your exact question right there? I would say, I don't want to answer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would say I would say that I believe this team. I'm 60 percent sure this team could be a playoff team. Really? Could be. Yes. See, so there's even uncertainty within us saying that. I'm I'm gonna be the pessimistic one here. I would be. say it's I would I would say it's lower. Yeah, you have every right to be. I would say it's like 35, 40, Ooh. and I think part of that is because I think that at some point things are going to slow down, and when they do, that's when we're probably going to see. So here's the thing. When Barubi was our head coach, our leader, our, our chief, our hero, our hero, when he was our guy, we had Robert Thomas basically doing all of the offensive work. He was passing to everybody, getting assists. He was on a huge amount of like point streaks in regards of like mm-hmm. every week he was getting X amount of points. Yeah, he was on fire. And since Barubi's left, Bannister's actually spread the wealth a little bit. Kairu's got an uptick in points. Butchnevich has gotten a couple of upticks in points. Everybody's kind of contributing more, which makes me feel like maybe this team is slightly more consistent just because Bannister's making us Ooh. play more of a team game, putting yeah. the puck in the right guy's sticks. That's sure. Come on now. Yeah. Right guy's yeah. baskets. Yeah. Yeah. So my logic is 50% being, I'm going to try to be optimistic while it's early in the season. And until that effort that we mentioned before wears off, I don't see why we can't view them as a 50% potential playoff team. I well, think that's I, fine. I think this team is one long winning a streak away from convincing me that they're a playoff team. Um, they're not, a, there's a difference between a playoff team and a cup contending team. Yeah. Um, I, I get it. Once you get in, you never know, right? Like you have the 2012 Kings, St. Louis Cardinals all the time, St. Louis Cardinals, oh, St. Louis Cardinals all the time. You have a lot of teams that have gotten in as eight seats, specifically in the NHL and have found a way to get it done. The Columbus Blue Jackets. Do I, <laughs> they have never done that in their history. So I think this team's one winning streak away from getting the playoffs. Every playoff team has that run too. If you think about it, I mean, the Vancouver, Vancouver Canucks, who we just played, 
they they're on a they're on a ten game point streak, meaning they've only lost right. in overtime twice. They're eight zero and two in their last ten. You see that in every playoff team, and the reason I think we can get it done has less to do with the Blues and more to do with how down the West is. I mean, I mean, you have Minnesota underperforming mm-hmm. and going to be sellers at the deadline because their cap situation is absolutely Messy. atrocious with all the dead cap stories. You have Nashville, who's been trending downward. Seattle doesn't look like the same team from last year. The Kings lost eight in a row last week. Just last week, they lost all eight last week. <laughs> That's how bad of a week it was. Yeah, they had a, they had a couple double headers in there, a matinee <laughs> game, but the two period double yeah. headers. <laughs> and so my point is, the West is down. And so, I mean, if you're the Blues, you're a point out of a playoff spot right now. And again, I don't want to hear, well, you know, we're we're not going to win a cup. I'm not saying we're going to win a cup. I'm just saying, are we going to be a playoff team? I think we're one winning streak away from. Now, I think we're one losing streak away from seeing some series change as well. 50%? (laughs) I I would say that at this point, it it is hard to say. Um, I think you could probably argue that there are probably a solid 16 teams in the league that are one win streak away from being like yeah. in the mix. Oh, for it's sure. Early. So, I mean, sure. you could say that half of the teams are, I think in that, and, and hear this, I would say that you can exclude the top eight teams in the league, even from that, because regardless of if they catch fire, they're going to be in the playoffs regardless. So uh, you could really argue that 24 of the 32 are in the mix for that. So yeah. it, yes, but you could also say that about any, almost, almost any other team in the league. Sure. So whether it, so us debating of if the Blues do that, are they going to be there? Are they going to be that team? Could they? Maybe, potentially. But the real question is, do you feel confident enough in this team, in the way they're playing, currently under their interim head coach, with the talent on this roster, for them to be able to do that? Yeah. Rather than if they if they do have that hot streak. Can they can they be that team? Well, that's easy to say. Like, uh, yeah, probably. But do, I'm asking, does this team have the ability to be the team to win seven, eight, nine in a row? I don't know if they do. Well, and and the reason we question it so much is because of the effort issues we were hearing earlier in the season. Teams with effort issues don't go on winning streaks because they've won four and they go in and and, and the locker room stale. It doesn't happen. A, a, a team that is in the past, lacked just effort and bringing it every night. You heard that from the coaches. You heard that from Ruby, and you've heard it from Bannister, like, lately. Teams that that struggle with that tend to have very, very inconsistent runs. Not, you know, excuse my French there. Sorry for anybody out there struggling with, you know. I, I <laughs> The runs? Yeah, the runs out there. I, mean, I don't want to discriminate at all. <laughs> yeah. But this is a children's show. <laughs> This has been a PG-13 episode. I just went with it. Yeah, But, yeah, I I, I don't know if I see it either, but I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful we can get a five-game. I think we can get, like, a middle-tier win streak going. Not a short-term win streak, but a middle-tier win streak going. A couple of those. That might be enough to get into the playoffs in a week west. Can we just acknowledge we're definitely going to jinx the Blues, right? Can we all agree on that? Seattle. Go back and check the tape on Loose Sports Talk, bro. Seattle. Before we were sponsored by Art City Media, they listened to us. Seattle. Los Angeles. Columbus. We've lost to at least two of those three teams this year that I can remember. So far. And then we have the all-star break and we come out with Buffalo, Montreal, Toronto, Edmonton, Nashville, Toronto. So 
there's not I mean th- here's the thing is there's still a lot of season left so it's sure. not like if the Blues don't do it here they can't do it but the question that you know will be looming is if you don't do it with a little bit of time before the deadline you're still going to be kind of in that spot of what is this team. So that's the thing also to consider. That'll be something we dive into in upcoming episodes. But regardless, boys, I think we, I think we hit pretty well home with this one. Oh, that scratched the itch of hockey right where (laughs) I needed it. Mm. Well, I'm glad that we were able to do that for you, Brandon. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for your wise thoughts. Wise counsel. You have broad shoulders too, Brandon. I told Very TJ, handsome. there's not a camera in here. They can't see. Oh, Wait, okay. I'm confused. Is there or isn't there? We've heard different things this episode. Find out next week. <laughs> Tune Darn in next you. episode. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. TJ, tell our listeners where they can find us on social media. I believe on X and on Instagram, you can find us at Lou Sports Talk underscore. And we have a Facebook page, too, if you're interested in that kind of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm, I'm actually trying to sell some on Marketplace, so go ahead and take give that a gander. And- oh, we just had a sick giveaway also. We did. Had a sick giveaway. It's still on, you know, you can go see what it looks like on our on our social stuff. Well, we had a winner. It's, it's already been given away. Yeah. Shout out to Drake. 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 Yeah, Drake. He did it. Give it up for him. Did Love it. you, buddy. Oh, and hey, shout Hold out on. to Robert Thomas being yeah, our Rob- all-star representative. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bobby Thomas. Hold on, Hold on yeah, Bobby. Bobby boy. Well, I think that concludes this one, boys. Yeah. I think this is a rap show. Yes, it is. That's a wrap.